You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. We're sticking in the AFC North. We've got two fantastic teams, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we have got a fantastic guest on with us now from the Dynasty Warzone. We've got Memphis. We can follow on Twitter at DWZ Memphis. How are you doing? Good, man. Uh, first of all, uh, God bless you guys and, and the work you're doing. I'm in the green room, as they call it, in the entertainment space. And I'm sitting here firing out tweets to the Dynasty Warzone listeners and the my personal uh, Twitter account, trying to get more people in here tuned in, watching us as we talk ball, but more importantly, uh, raise some, some, some funds for charity. You notice my lights. My lights are multiple color. Green is the color of Mental Health Awareness Month. So super awesome to be here um, and excited to catch up with you guys live in person. No, we're very excited to have you on today. And you've got two fantastic teams. We talk about the Ravens and the Steelers. So we'll jump straight in on the Ravens at the QB position and I'll hand it over to you back to kick us off. Yeah, so obviously we're going to be kicking things off, talking about a little bit of Lamar Jackson, the the, the big name throughout the offseason. Was he going to sign this this new contract that he'd been fighting to, to get? And finally, we've got his answer. Yes, he is. He's staying with the Ravens. And not just that, the Ravens have then backed that up and added a weapon for him as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on during the stream. Um, but at this moment in time, all things are going super well for Lamar Jackson after what was a really rocky um, few months for him. So Memphis, I'm just going to throw a quick question straight over to you now. And it's with Lamar Jackson, his current ADP is around that RB7 range. With everything I've just mentioned about the contract, the new weapons, obviously the changes to the coaching staff as well. Is maybe Lamar Jackson being a little bit underrated at that value of QB7? Would you now be looking to, to move him up your rankings? No, uh, that's... That's... An, that, Without like not answering the question, it's like that he's in that he's in that tier. He's in that QB seven to ten range for me. He's actually my personal QB nine. Um, if he does take a step, a progression in his passing game, which I really hope he does, it's going to impact the running game. And the running game is where a, a majority, not a majority, well, a large majority of his fantasy points, which is what we do, has come from. So I've got to take that into account. I will say from a dynasty asset, the contract, the commitment by the Ravens, adding Odell Beckham Jr., bringing in uh, uh, Flowers, Zay Flowers uh, in the draft. Hopefully Rashad, Rashad Bateman can stay healthy. Obviously you've got Andrews, you've got J.K. Dobbins. So the the pieces are in place. Good Lord, let Ronnie Stanley stay healthy just one one time, one time. But if Lamar does take a step forward in a positive way from a passing standpoint, we know that every yard he passes for is a yard that he potentially doesn't rush for, which we know rushing yards accumulate more points than passing yards. And then passing touchdowns, depending on your scoring format, are worth less than rushing touchdowns. So it's good for long-term dynasty, which is what we're talking about. But short-term, we might feel a little uh, turbulence as he's learning the Todd Monken offense, as he's getting used to new weapons. You know, And, and he hasn't played football and you know, he missed like what the last five or six games of the season, including the playoffs. So long-term positive. Yes. Short-term. I, I see some bumps in the road, but I, I think he's fairly rated in that seven to 10 range. 
Yeah, I think um, it's it's an interesting one. I, I'm I'm slightly on the other side of it, but before we get on to flip, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you, Matt, and what you think on on Lamar. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I've really liked. Obviously, we know we've seen the ceiling with Lamar Jackson, and obviously that rushing upside. Um, but Memphis does make a great point. Obviously, this is going to be now a, a new look offense. A lot of people are talking about how it's going to now hopefully progress more to a, a pass a pass heavier offense, I guess, than what we've seen. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's never been touted as somebody that's a, a heavy passer of the ball. He, he's been mainly his weapon has been his his leg. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops moving forward now. Um, with the new coaching staff and I think Memphis does make a great point if it now does become more pass heavy but we lose that rushing side from Lamar Jackson the, the design runs then that's obviously going to be a knock against Lamar Jackson for the reasons that Memphis brought up that we know rushing is it's the holy grail when it comes to, to fantasy quarterbacks if you've got a rushing quarterback you know there's a potential super ceiling um, with these guys and, and Lamar Jackson's shown that he's one of the best rushers of the ball when it comes to quarterback play in the NFL um, but as I say, Memphis makes a great point that if this does become more reliant on his arm and maybe takes away from his his legs, then maybe he could be looking at it on the flip side and say maybe QB7 is is potentially the right spot and maybe even a touch too high if, you, if you're concerned. But for me personally, I maybe view it a bit more that I think Lamar Jackson is a better throw of the ball than what we've seen. And even if he does lose out on those design runs, I think there's still going to be times where he's going to have to scramble. He's going to be able to rack up the points through his scrambling from avoiding tackles if if plays break down or whatever. You know he's got that backup in his, his rushing ability. So for me, I still think that he's... I think he should maybe be ranked slightly higher than QB7. I've got him, I think, around QB5. And it is one big tier for me, that tier. So, like Memphis mentioned, 7 to 10. I've maybe got it a little bit bigger. And with two more quarterbacks that are in front of of, uh, of, of where he's got Lamar Jackson. But um, as a whole, I think it's really exciting to see this new offense that's going to be materializing. I'm hoping that we just, rather than seeing him move away from the rushing, I'm hoping that's just added to the rushing. We've still got that solid flow with the rushing with Lamar Jackson. So as a, as a dynasty quarterback, I, I do really like him. I love the potential ceiling, um, but I do understand we're going through a change at the moment. Two, two things though a don't throw lamar out with the bath water okay first of all that's oh, yeah. number one i'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, that he's gonna <laughs> it, it, like i said it, it's gonna be short term but then again the, the flip side of the contract is is whereas maybe last year lamar was a little bit less hesitant to run because mm -hmm. he didn't have financial stability yeah. and security now he's got the injury thing so so now that's out the window right because there, it's in the back of your mind. It's subconscious. It's like, man, I, I just can't take off and run. If I get hurt, I'm I'm not going to get the money. And now that he's got the money, maybe he runs more. So, so for me, keeping him in that seven to nine range is safe. Please don't hear what we're not saying and like throw Lamar out. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's he, he's not the Lamar of old. He, he always has that in his bag of tricks. But um, you just got to kind of factor in everything. And and I'm I'm going to take a uh, somewhat of a cautious op. You know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I like, I like that phrase. That's a nice <laughs> phrase. I think with me on Lamar, I've been previously high on him and that did actually burn me towards the end of last season. I probably had too much exposure on teams that were in the playoffs and fight for titles. And it ended up that actually if I'd have been a little bit smarter and played played a more um, diverse approach, that it would have had better outcomes in, in the playoff matchups because um, he obviously got injured and well, the rest is history. I think it's an opportunity in terms of the new situation that Yes, um, I can see the scenario where he's getting back towards the MVP level season, pass efficiency, best weapons of his career. I can also see what you said, Memphis, around maybe less rushing because 
Um, if he if he's less less of a rusher, that's gonna that's gonna hammer his, his fantasy value as well. If you if you're trying to compare him one for one with say Joe Burrow in a passing game and having the same level of rushing, for example, he's not going to get there. But yeah, I think it's a massive tier for me. About four, QB four to QB ten can tell a story for any of those guys based on the the league settings and stacks and things like that. So yeah, don't throw out Lamar, but just be smart and diversify, unlike I didn't last season. <laughs> Um, but we're going to move on to another guy that's potentially at a crossroads, possibly someone that's uh, enticing to buy in this new offense, but maybe maybe you've been burnt by this guy previous as well. So J.K. Dobbins, we're still awaiting this post-injury breakout. I think as a college prospect, he was, he was outstanding. It's not quite translated into fantasy. We're only about 33 and we're only about 34 in fantasy points per game. Everything's been capped by a low pass volume under... Greg Roman, however, new OC and Todd Munkin makes it interesting. Running back 16 at market, it's going to cost you a 24 first. He's also a free agent after this season. So Memphis, just want to know with J.K. Dobbins, are you buying him now? Are you buying him in season? Or are you buying him never? If, if I were to buy, I would buy in season. I think uh, hope springs eternal. I, I think there's reason to be excited about J.K. Dobbins and his production in 2023. Uh, another year removed from a very major knee injury. And I, I like looking at the actions of the team. They didn't bring in any real running backs at all the entire offseason, free agency or in the draft. So that tells me that Baltimore is very confident in J.K. Dobbins. In the short term, J.K. Dobbins is in a contract year. I love, L-O-V-E, love guys in a contract year. Why? Because hungry dogs get fed. You know, he's going to want the ball. If, you know, if he's got that little nagging hamstring or, or calf in, in week 14, he doesn't care. He's playing. Because more than likely in week 14, Baltimore will be in the middle of potentially fighting for a playoff spot. And J.K. Dobbins will want to make sure he shines. You mentioned the, the lack of pass volume in, that, in this offense, and that's true not just in Baltimore, but anywhere where there's a mobile quarterback, be that Philadelphia, potentially now with my Colts and Jonathan Taylor. I'll let the people doing the AFC South, you know, handle that equation. But this is this is this is how you you potentially get upside volume is I'll buy him in season if he starts to disappoint because I know he's going to be a free agent next offseason. Now will he automatically resign with the Ravens? Maybe. Will he potentially go to a, a running back situation where he could be more involved in the passing game? Yes. So I, I don't want to, I don't like buying guys like this right now, popular players from popular colleges on popular teams going into the season. I like to make those moves in season, mid season. Uh, I did this last year with Miles Sanders. I knew Miles Sanders was not going to get a ton of, of passing work. He surprised me with double-digit touchdowns. He rewarded my faith in him. And then he went to Carolina, where maybe he can go back with Frank Reich and he can replicate that 50 receptions he had as a rookie with a different quarterback and a different offense. So J.K. Dobbins, I am 100% in on the talent. I think the price is still just a hair high right now. But in season, I'll be looking for a 2-3 weak window of involvement whether it be gus edwards or someone else i'll swoop in i'll try to try to acquire then and then hoping that in the off season that he signs a free agent contract he'll only be 26 in 2024 he could have two or three really good years on that second contract and i'm looking not only this season but i'm looking the next two or three and 
Worst case scenario, he re-signs on a very good offense that scores a lot of points in Baltimore. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to say in season, but those are my reasons why, guys. Yeah, he's definitely a really polarizing guy. I think um, when you look at the bare numbers, running back 33 and 34, it does it gets you really worried in my eyes. I think um, someone like Javante Williams is similar in in fact points per game, but um, maybe Dobbins has got less risk. The fact that he's a year removed from that injury, whereas Javante is just just getting over it. So, yeah, come to you, Matt, on this with with Dobbins. I know he's a guy that you really loved as a prospect before he came in. Um, he had a, a great rushing touchdown success as, as a rookie. Um, is he someone that you'd be buying at running back 16? Yeah, I think, and, and for the reasons that Memphis brought up, is obviously he's in that contract year, and you just got to look back, like um, Memphis mentioned, with guys like Miles Sanders, but obviously Josh Jacobs is the name that people are going to bring up. He was a guy that people had written off, said that, it, it, it was never going to be what we'd hoped he, he was going to be. And then he comes out with this huge breakout season um, in, in his final year and, and obviously then gets the, the tag with the with the Raiders. So I think it could be a similar story for somebody like J.K. Dobbins. Where it, and, and, and the way you look at it as well, he mentioned about the, the fight and the player of it's a contract journey to earn a contract. But you can also look at it from a, from a franchise perspective of, well, he's in his last year. Let's just run him into the ground. Let's just get all we can out of him. And if it doesn't pan out, then we can move on next year. So I think it's a win-win situation where you've got these running backs coming into to contract years. And, and for that reason, I'm still happy to to invest in J.K. Dobbins in, in the hope that he does have that, that breakout season. But if he, even if it doesn't play out, we're going to get to this point in, in the offseason next year, a little bit like with a, a Dalvin Cook who's potentially moving on. And you got that then that new hope of if he lands in a in a new situation, we can we can build a new a new formula around this player and a new a new um, perspective on how we view them. And you're then getting that boost in value again. So it feels like you can't really lose too badly at this stage. So I'm happy to go out and, and pay for him now. See what happens. Hope for the best and get in that that Josh Josh Jacobs kind of year. But if it, even if it doesn't pan out, I'm not worried because I know that there's going to be a new a new perspective around him when we go into the next off season if he becomes um, a free agent. Indeed, and you mentioned new perspective, new situations. That ties in really nicely to this next guy. We're going to move from running back to wide receiver and back to you, Matt. Yeah, so as I mentioned at the top, Lamar Jackson's finally got some some weapons around him, some added weapons, and they obviously brought in Zay Flowers in, in the first round, linking up with a, a former first-round wide receiver in, in Rashad Bateman as well. So Memphis, just a really simple one, to be honest, because a lot of people are talking about Zay Flowers now. How do you see him fitting into the, to this offense? And who do you think actually has the better season out of the two with, with Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman? Uh, I think it's going to be Bateman. Uh, I think he's got more to prove. They're both first-round guys. Zay, but Zay Flowers is the guy that I'll be looking to get this time next year because the next rookie class will be coming in. Baltimore will eventually reach that point to where they can't continue to put first-round picks on the wide receiver position. I say that in Philadelphia can, continues to do it, but that doesn't really stop them. But at some point, they'll have to invest in other areas, whether that be the offensive line. And I think Odell Beckham, because, you know, He's going to need his, right? He's boys with, with Lamar. He's going to get his. I mean, and, and we can never forget about all-world stud Mark Andrews. So I think the volume, is, it's, I can only go off what I've seen. I've never seen a, a, a lot of the Todd Monken offense with a, with a Lamar Jackson-style quarterback. I saw it with Stetson Bennett, but I've not seen it with Lamar. So I don't know what it's going to look like. I just I have to assume it's going to be somewhat low volume. So for that reason... Uh, I, I'm going to be getting uh, Zay Flowers in about a year from now. I'll be buying that 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 post rookie quote unquote. Because to me, I'm already 
I'm already banking in disappointment. You can't disappoint me if I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm already disappointed. But then next year, you know, you'll be able in rookie drafts, maybe you've got the 201 or the 204 and you don't really love the the, the players on the board. Can you offer that in 2024 for Zay Flowers? Because Odell Beckham's gone or he's 32 on a second one-year contract and maybe Bateman's never lived up to the hype. But if you wait for all that information to actually come to reality, then you're going to pay more. So I'm going to wait until in season on Zay Flowers as well. Yeah, I think you've summed that up absolutely perfect. I think thinking of just 2023, it's Bateman over Flowers for me as well. I I know Matt earlier on in the stream you got um, Ali Avenue a bet about <laughs> for next year's <laughs> streamer fun. I'll I'll happily take a 20 pound bet with if anybody fancies Zay Flowers over Bateman. Hit me up. We'll have that bet, and we'll we'll donate. Whoever loses can donate to to this event next season. I think Bateman um, better prospect than Zay Flowers. I think people are worrying because Flowers has come in first round pick this year, so they're assuming that Bateman's lower down in the pecking order. But he's been injured. I think as long as he's healthy, I can't see a scenario where where he is not outperforming Flowers this season. But to come to Memphis's point, I do think it's a great opportunity to buy into. Flowers next offseason because he's a round one wide receiver. He's got tons of upside. Baltimore's actually not as bad as we think if this offense is different to the Greg Roman offense, which it's got to be um, a lot more uh, fruitful for, for the wide receivers. But just to keep in mind, the ceiling's not going to be there because Mark Andrews is an absolute beast. Um, but I've, I've, I've hammered on about about uh, Bateman then, how much I love him. And I'll, I'll, I'll carry on waxing lyrical, the fact that a little bit like Dobbins, he has battled injuries to begin his career. Um, he had that enticing start to last season before landing on, uh, missing time and landing on IR. Flowers has been added. Markets got Bateman as a, the wide receiver two in Dynasty for the Ravens and the, um, the clear wide receiver three on the offense behind Andrews as well. So currently Bateman's going between guys such as Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, on keep trade cut. So um just want to know from those three, Tony, Elijah Moore, and Rashad Bateman. I think I know the answer, but Memphis, who you got with those three? All right. Elijah Moore, Tony, and Bateman. Well, I'm yeah. I'm cutting Tony. I don't like hurt <laughs> players. So uh I, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep Elijah Moore. I Ooh, still yeah. I, I, I I still I still believe and I jokingly said this on Twitter earlier today, or I got heat for it, but I was like, we've never seen Deshaun Watson thrive without Bill O'Brien. It was really more of a way of saying that I like the Patriots this year, but I, I really believe that Elijah Moore in a system with Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson is going to be really good. It may take a little time to process because Njoku's still there and Cooper, et cetera, but I have to trade Rashad Bateman. Because I've been doing some side hustles, some side work, some projects with the guys over at Player Profiler. And as long as guys like the Podfather, like Matt Kelly, continue to love Rashad Bateman, um, he's got a voice in the industry. I don't necessarily agree on Rashad Bateman, but he likes Rashad Bateman. Uh, Pete Howard of the DLF likes Rashad Bateman. Um, there's enough support for Rashad Bateman from, from, and, and, and you know, and, and to be quite honest, they could be 100% right. I'm not going to sit here and profess like I have all the answers, but for me currently, because I think I can get more for Bateman today, I'm going to trade Bateman. I believe in Elijah Moore and I can't cut, I can't cut Kadarius Tony fast enough. 
<laughs> well, your old bow and arrow punch out. Just get him, get him, get him right out of here. I love that. And same question to you, Matt. We'll take it on that format of keep, trade, and cut. Um, have you got the same answer, or is it a slightly <laughs> different one? Yeah, well, I mean, for the cut, I've definitely got the, the same answer. You know, being the, the Giants fan that I am, Canarias Tony, um, I've obviously spoke about it earlier when we spoke with uh, talking about the Giants, but hated the pick when we, when we selected him. He's just somebody that's forever going to be frustrating in fantasy because you see those glimpses. You've seen what he's done even this past year. He's just you see those glimpses in what can be in a super exciting talent in the NFL, but he just cannot stay healthy, cannot stay on the field. And I just worry as well, being with the Chiefs, it's going to be kind of similar. I think they're going to they're going to be really creative with him, use him in a, a various different ways. But I don't think that's going to lead to consistent fantasy value from from Canarius Turner. So he's definitely the one that, that I'd cut out of out of those three. Um, and in terms of keeping and trading, it's it's pretty close to be honest for me with Elijah Moore and, and Michelle Bateman. I do like both of them. I, I really like Elijah Moore when he came in as a as a prospect and was excited to see what he could do um, with the Jets. I thought he'd fit really well in, into that offense. But obviously, things didn't play out the the, the way that we'd hoped. But um, like Memphis talked about, the fact that he's now gone over to um, to the Browns, I think it's it's a great opportunity for him to have a have a bounce back. So I think between the two, he's probably the one that I would also um, keep. I think that. He could link up really well with Deshaun Watson. I think he's, he's going to be a great weapon for for Deshaun Watson. I'm, I'm expecting Watson to take a, a huge stride forward from what we saw um, towards the end of, of last season. We, we got a glimpse of it, didn't we? Right at the end with, with Deshaun Watson, and I think yeah, I think he's, he's really going to bounce back this year. So having um, Elijah Moore, obviously they've got Amari Cooper over there as well, but um, I think Elijah Moore is going to establish himself in the slot and be a be a great weapon for Deshaun Watson. So um, yeah, he'd be my cut, my keep, and, and obviously trade a bit Bateman, but. I do really like Bateman. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into this new new offense moving forward. And I think he's definitely going to have those boom weeks, but I think he's maybe a little bit more boom or bust than what Elijah Moore could be if things play out the, the way that we hope with him. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to disagree with the thought process of both of you. Both gone for the same, but I would have gone as well, just based on the fact that, like you mentioned, Memphis, the, the echo chamber, the, the key players in the community, when they speak, people do listen. Um, people do go up and down in rankings when the podfather um, is high on someone, whether he be right or wrong. Um, the market does follow these uh, these key names, these key brands as well. So um, I, I totally get that trading Bateman as as an appealing asset would would make sense. I do think the flip side is if I'm on the clock and I'm taking Elijah Moore or Bateman, nine times out of ten, I'm probably taking Bateman because I, I do feel that right now um, he's shown a little bit more well, I guess they've both shown a little bit, if I'm honest. It is a, it is a coin flip, but yeah, just give me Bateman slightly, even though I did have Elijah Moore as a better prospect coming out, which I think is a little bit spicy because I don't think that's uh, the market. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on from this because I'm changing my mind again. Uh, we're going to move on to tight end, and Matt, I'll uh, let you wrap up the Ravens with this big dog. Yeah, we, we've kind of mentioned him a little bit already. It's hard not to, to mention this this elite guy when talking about the Ravens. It's obviously Mark Andrews, and we've seen the connection that Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews are, have got. We're only one year removed from him, from him being the, the tight end one in fantasy, finally ending that that Travis Kelsey streak of, of being the tight end one year after year. Um, and I think Mark Andrews has now cemented himself as an elite tight end. He's still only 27 years old. Um, so Memphis just a, an, another real simple one. Is there an argument that, that Mark Andrews should actually be the dynasty tight end one? He's currently tight end two um, alongside Kyle Pitts, but do you think he should be above somebody like Travis Kelsey? 
Uh, I mean, he's ahead of Travis Kelsey for me, just based off age, based yeah. off of the fact that that this is dynasty. But you know, Travis Kelsey could have a Darren, uh, not Darren Waller, excuse me. Um, oh my God, Antonio Gates. You know, Antonio Gates, a Jason Witten. He he could play way longer than that than we realize. Um, I think that we we tend to forget how good Mark Andrews has been for fantasy football, and, and that's just human nature. Whether it's fantasy football or whether it's it's anything else, it's you know he didn't do very well once Lamar went down. Lamar didn't play weeks fourteen through eighteen, and I'm looking at his points right now. He had a five point. This is in tight end premium too, by the way, one point seven five tight end PPR premium, and he had a four point seven, a seven point six, a nine point zero. And the uh, 7.6 and the 9.0 were the first two weeks of the fantasy football playoffs. Now, if you managed to make it to your championship in week 17, he did drop 23 and a half. So he totally redeemed himself. But people can be jaded very, very quickly. And I, I think we just forget how dominant this guy was. I mean, for, for me, for, for Dynasty, you, you, and, and it's crazy to say, but the reason why I said I would still have Travis Kelsey as my tight end one is I know his trade value in season. If 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 even at his age, if I take him as my tight end one and my season, and because if you do that in a startup, you're committing to win now. You're not committing to a productive struggle. But if the wheels fall off the wagon and, and you need to recoup some some rookie assets or some younger guys, you can still get a ton for Travis Kelsey come your if your league has a trade deadline. So for me, but yeah, Mark Andrews is my two. You know, and everybody's going to, you know, say Kyle Pitts. And I, I, I don't dislike Kyle Pitts, but, you know, Ric Flair said it best to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I've yet to see him beat the man. So he's in my top five. But yeah, I mean, you know, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, there's your, there's your top five right there. Outside of that top five, you're kind of wishing. So yeah, it's easy to say Mark Andrews is my two. I, I always look back. I, you know, I, I don't always want to put my opinion on it. It's like, what's the data say? You know, I'm in the manufacturing industry and it's, you know, it's, it's, I have a boss. Well, he's since moved on, but it's, he always asked me, like, you know, he would ask you a question about how's your production and this with that. And, you know, it's human nature. Oh, we're doing good. You know, oh, we're doing bad. Okay. But then he would always look at me and he goes, well, what's the data say? And, you know, over the last handful of years, he's really forced me not only professionally, but from what I do with the fantasy football industry, what's the data say? The data says, especially when he plays with Lamar Jackson, he's arguably the best tight end in football. So hard to not have Mark Andrews as my two. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely fair. He's, I know he's in my top two. We'll come on to you in a sec, Matt. But I just think I do tend to lean Kelsey and Stubbs. Um, I just think he is in a little bit of a tier on his own for, if you're thinking this season, potentially next season. I do think he is an outlier, the fact that he's going to be 35, 36 and still performing excellent over the next few years. But yeah, I've got Andrews above Pitts. I think Pitts has got something to show. We've seen Andrews in flashes be on par with Kelsey um, for, for certain spates uh, and with this offense potentially changing, becoming even more favorable for him. And we got to add in Hawkinson. Hawkinson, yeah. I mean, Hawkinson, at least I will give you the, I don't want to say concern, but it will give you the, Hey, I want to see what this offense looks like with Jordan Addison added. 
you know what? He came in trade deadline, ball of fire, kicked a lot of ass with the with the Minnesota Vikings. But what does that look like when we added a highly drafted wide receiver to the mix as well? So I would at least give someone who wanted to push back on TJ Hawkinson that argument. But yeah, if you if, if you would have a hard time selling me anyone above Andrews as your two. And I would even listen to a conversation as your one, to be quite honest, especially knowing that he's under a long-term contract and Lamar's under a long-term contract. You're literally looking at three years of, of, of harmony between these two guys. And isn't that what we build in three-year windows in Dynasty? I think it's a steal. Indeed. And Matt, who's your one, two, three at tight end? Yeah, I mean, without wanting to sound like a bit of an echo chamber, just repeating what both of you guys have said, I've got it exactly the same. Travis Kelsey, for me, he's still a tight end one. I agree with what Memphis said. He's a guy that can still play two, three, four years still. He is showing no signs at all of slowing down. If anything, he's still getting better. He's still putting up more fantasy points year after year than, than what he has been. So it's hard to, to knock Travis Kelsey. Obviously, the age is always going to be held against him, but it's going to be a little bit like, I guess, with, with Tom Brady when we kept saying, no, this this is going to be it. This is going to be the end. And he just kept coming back and coming back. And I feel like Travis Kelsey is going to continue to, to do that. So I'm still I'm fine with having him as my, my tight end one. It's, it's got to be Mark Andrews as, as the number two for the reasons we, we've all mentioned. I think he's he's shown that he can be he can be elite, as I said, when he finishes the, the tight end one a couple of years ago. And with the change to this offense, I'm willing to take a chance and see if it can be even better than than what we've seen. So for me, it's it's a lot for them too as the one two. And I think Carl Pitts has to go in at three purely down to, to his age, but like we've mentioned, we, we've yet to fully see what what we we, we, we expect from Carpets, really. We we all loved him as a as a prospect, and, and rightfully so, but I just feel like the situation he's in at the moment is he's not rewarding us fantasy players, let's say. So um, I'm hopeful he can get that opportunity down the line, but as things stand right now, give me the proven guys in, in Kelsey and Andrews. Yeah, good stuff. We're going to move from the Ravens to the Steelers, and it's, it's me up at QB to kick off the Steelers, and oh, what a guy to kick off with. Kenny Pickett. <laughs> Quarterback 18 at keep trade pick up. Really poor fantasy rookie season. QB 36 in fantasy points per game, despite a top three pass O line uh, and all the weapons he had there. Obviously, Fryer move, uh, Deontay, George Pickens, Najee Harris, fantastic in the past game. Um, really poor passing metrics on the whole. Um, obviously, Memphis mentioned playerprofile.com. So, really, metrics on there money throws, danger plays, yards per attempt, red zone percentage, clean pocket percentage. All of these were. Absolutely QB 29, quick QB 30, bottom end of the spectrum. So I just want to know, QB 18 at keep trade cut, is Kenny Pickett the biggest sucker bet to make at QB in Dynasty? Man, if they got if they got rid of Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator, I would have said he's he's a keep. I'm not sure. I like the weapons. I love I love their offseason. Uh, back in January on the Dynasty War Zone, this was one of my two buy-on offenses for Dynasty. It, they're young. I mean, think about this. Najee, year three. George Pickens, year two. Whether you love him or not. Pat Fryermuth, year three. You know, Najee Harris, year three. They literally added they, – they had one of the best offensive and, like, like protecting units of, of anybody in the offseason. And, and forgive me, my Samoans are not what it used to be. They added Isaac Siamalu. They added Nate nice. Herbig. They re-signed blocking tight end Zach Gentry. Then they drafted a monster in Broderick Jones. I, I love how petty Bill Belichick is. Let the Steelers <laughs> leapfrog division rival the Jets <laughs> to take Broderick Jones. And then – and then they let Darnell Washington, the six foot seven, two hundred and seventy pound tight end, 
fall to them. Do I think he's going to be a receiving guy? No. I think he's a guy that I've read that they could transition him to a tackle or a guard later in his career because, again, he's six foot seven, 270 pounds. That's a big man. So you've put this wall in, in front of Kenny Pickett, and we'll talk about Najee in a minute. So I want to believe in Kenny Pickett, but he's like, I don't know. I'm out of when I look at the entire show sheet, like this is the guy I'm the least sure about, <laughs> you know, because I believe, how about this? This is the best way I can answer. I think he's okay. I don't mind QB 18 because he is fairly young, but I would rather have my guy, Will Levis, ahead of him. So there, there, there's a bold take of the pod for you. I'd rather have my man, Will Levis, <laughs> a, a, ahead of him. And I got news for you. If he can't get it done this year, he will not get it done in, in the NFL. He'll go the way of the Sam Darnolds, the Baker Mayfields. Um, but I, I love it when teams do this. I know you'll talk about this with the Bears. We talk about Justin Fields. I love when a team puts their young quarterback in a position to succeed. Hey, here's some weapons. Here's some offensive linemen. Here's everything that we can possibly give you to succeed. And if you don't, it's not on us. It's on you. So I want to believe. I want to. I think this whole offense takes a step. But, man, I feel very wishy-washy on Kenny Pickett. I'm super sorry. <laughs> no, I love that. He's, um, he's an interesting guy because you do get the, the hardcore fans that are well into him despite his output. And obviously the market shows that. And you made some great points. The situation was great last season and it's got better, if anything. So you can paint a picture where it does make a step. Touchdown regression as well is incoming. I didn't throw, I think, through seven in 10 games, something last season from memory. But... Um, but yeah, I'm not a Pickett fan. Um, but my first article I did at DLF, it was comparing sort of Pickett and Russell Wilson, and I was on the Russell Wilson side of it. I think Pickett, he had a worse rookie season than Zach Wilson, so uh, in a way better situation. So if he carries on that trajectory, he, he's done. But there is potential that he takes a step in a great situation and you can cash out maybe even higher than QB18 if he, if he does maintain this. Uh, sort of knows for the end zone as such so yeah matt qb18 can you pick it what's your thoughts on the guy uh well i think have you already know my, my thoughts on kenny pickett i'm i'm out on him I'm, I'm i'm done with him to be honest i think i was never really in on him so it's hard to say that i'm out on him because i never got in like we i think that the thing with kenny pickett is like you mentioned there's there's a lot of believers out there and i think a lot of that boils down to the class that he was in he was obviously selected in the first round in in the class when when he was drafted but I think that's more of a knock on the actual quarterback class that year than it is an endorsement to, to Kenny Pickett. So I don't get why people use that as a as a glowing report of, of Kenny Pickett. And and like we've mentioned, that the situation that he's in in terms of his weapons, this is a, a make or break year for for Kenny Pickett. Like we've we've had in previous years, you mentioned Zach Wilson, uh, Memphis uh, mentioned Baker Mayfield. We've seen it time and time before with these quarterbacks that they they have a solid rookie season, but. They don't really do anything to wow us and the pressure's really on him now to, to perform with the situation he's in, with the, the weapons, like, like Memphis mentioned, the, the off-season moves that the Steelers are making. They're putting it all on him now to say, right, this is your chance to show us what you are. We've invested some draft capital in you. We want to see what we've got in you. And if he doesn't perform, I, I, I'd be shocked if the Steelers don't look to, to other options, whether it be through free agency or the draft next year. I'd be shocked if they don't make that move. So for me... 
I can't get I can't buy into to the price range that he's going at. I know he's got the the age argument, but to be honest, when I'm taking a, a QB two, I just want someone that's that's reliable, really. Especially if I've got a, a more risky, say, quarterback one, and and I've got one of the guys um, that's not quite elite in in terms of a QB one. I then want someone that's really safe from a QB two. And Kenny Pickett's got none of that. To be honest, it doesn't feel safe. The only argument is he's young, but this feels like it could be a a contract year for him. Basically, he's got to perform this year or, or it could just be another quarterback that bounces around the, the league for years so and um, for me i'm not willing to, to take that chance at, at where he's going at the moment yeah and i 100 agree with everything you've said i also 100 agree with what memphis said about will levis re-rolling um, yeah. i would i would roll again and take will levis over over kenny pickett no doubt um so yeah we're gonna we're gonna move to the running back position now a guy that um i think was was both pretty high on pre-draft him coming into the league but then I, I soured a little bit and I think you liked him a little bit more Matt because he's quite good behind the camera and quite a funny guy <laughs> on the sidelines so um over to you for running back yeah I'm a sucker for a guy that's got a good personality I'm uh, <laughs> yeah I think in terms of fantasy I mean we can't really knock him on that side of it either because since he's came into the NFL he's been productive um, he obviously had the, the slow start to, to last year, but we know he was dealing with that that foot injury. I believe he played so many games with a, a splint in his in his in his boot and didn't really get that taken out towards the end. But then towards the back end of the year, we actually saw little glimpses of, of the Najee from his, his rookie season. And even with the injury, to be honest, it didn't really stop the the opportunity the opportunities that he got over 270 carries last year, despite the fact he was he was playing on, on that injury. So Memphis, I know you, you've kind of already mentioned about the weapons. So I feel like you're, you're quite in on these weapons with the, with the Steelers, but what are you like with, with Najee Harris? Is, is a lot of his success just down to that volume? Um, and if so, how concerned are you knowing that um, moving forward with Najee Harris, that could potentially drop off? Well, well, several things on Najee. Uh, first of all, player profiler, they do their annual draft kit. And in the draft kit, they do little video snippets for like the top 100 players. This year, I was invited to take part in that kit, and everybody has to have my guy. Well, as luck would have it, Najee Harris just happens to be my guy. <laughs> um, Najee Harris is a, is a classic Memphis guy, and I hate talking about myself in the third person, but he is, <laughs> he is, he like, like Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, give me boring guys that just the, the space absolutely wants to kill. I don't, and I don't know why. I mean, all he was was the RB3 as a rookie, 300 <laughs> fantasy points. Now, we don't like that. 74 catches, that's not any good. And then last year, to your point, got hurt in camp, allegedly played through a Liz Frank injury, which shuts down a lot of seasons. It didn't shut down a lot of seasons. You know, as a matter of fact, from the time he came back from his bye, his bye week was in week nine. So from week 10 through week 18, he was the RB7. To Matt's point, got a little bit healthier, took the plate out of his shoe. All of a sudden, oh, what do you know? Najee Harris looks like Najee Harris again. And then it's the weirdest thing. It's like, well, what about Jalen Warren? I'm like, what about Jalen Warren? <laughs> the guy had 29% of the snaps last year to a running back that had a hurt foot. I mean, he literally played less than half of the snaps that Najee did all year. Oh, right, here's a trick question for you. Do you guys know how many running backs the Steelers brought in in free agency this year? Any guesses? Drafted? That many. Zero. Yeah, I, so say, I, can't, I can't think of any. <laughs> zero point zero. Okay. This all says that Najee is set up for success in 2023. He is like Josh Jacobs, Alabama running back, boring, 
used way more in the passing game. He's got 115 career receptions. 115. So if I told you two years ago at the at the draft when him and Travis Etienne came out at the draft, hey, one of these guys going into the 2023 season is going to have 115 career receptions. You'd have bet everything that you owned that it was going to be Travis Etienne. You would have been stunned that it was Najee Harris. Yet here we are. And for some reason, we just don't like Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is a steal. I did some research for this podcast because you are uh, – Awesome gentleman doing awesome work, and it would be shameful to come on and not be not be prepared. I just it, it, it boggles my mind that we have him as like the RB twelve, the RB eleven in, in a dynasty startup. Yeah, I know he's a little older; he just turned twenty five, but he's a first round pick. He's going into year three of his rookie contract. You know Pittsburgh's going to pick up his fifth year option. It's just very it's very Pittsburgh. Now, will they resign him? I don't know. But I know I've got at least 2023, 2024, more than likely 2025, and he'll be age 25, 26, 27. That's peak running back efficiency. Can someone tell me what's not to like about Najee Harris? Because I, I can't find it. He's boring. He's fun behind the camera. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's an interesting guy. The fact that um, he's shown, like you said, if you made that that comparison two years ago that one guy was going to have 115 catches and it was one of those two guys, you would have said it's it's going to be ETN. So, um, yeah, maybe then maybe both of those should be a little bit closer, even potentially flipped with um, the sort of target share ETN put out and the change in situation there. I think, yeah, my Jalen Warren shares are, are sad after you have broke it down that <laughs> way and um, done the research from it there, but um, they're that pros anyway, but... Yeah, I think at his price, I think it is really fair. Um, you're going to be getting a nice value on him at that cost. He's someone that situation-wise, volume-wise, you can bank on, which you can't for 90% of running backs in Dynasty. So really think he's a safe safe option. Swing it back around to you, Matt, for the final word on Najee, the guy you like. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just echoing again what, what Memphis said. I think, uh, as you mentioned, Kev, I've, I've always been big on Najee Harris, whether it be for his fantasy production or, or the, the things he does behind the camera. But um, I, I do love Najee Harris. And it's funny that his, his ADP has obviously dropped a little bit from what it was last offseason. Maybe that's because of the, the rough start. But we've laid out the reasons why he maybe didn't have a great start. He finished the year pretty much how he did the, the rookie season. And yet the, the Steelers are building that offensive line. They're building, like we mentioned at, at the top with Darnell Washington, He's a guy that's going to be used to protect the quarterback, but also to help out Najee Harris in, in the running game. So I absolutely love Najee Harris. I think he's in a great position this year. A lot of people were souring on him, thinking maybe he's, he's not going to be what we, we hoped and saw from him as a rookie. But I actually think things are getting better now for him than even what he was as a rookie. So I'm super excited to see what he can do moving forward um, into, into the season. Good stuff. And we're going to move on to wide receiver. This is a guy I'm really intrigued to hear about from Memphis Cuss. He's a sharp guy. And uh, this is a, a player that's a little bit hate him or love him, I guess, in the sense that um, talent-wise, he's excellent uh, coming out of college, uh, a round two guy. But then um, rookie season wasn't great at looking at the, at the bare numbers. Wide receiver 51 in fantasy points per game, but still only 22 years old. The market's got him wide receiver 31. Um so just want to know, George Pickens, is he an excellent buy low in the hopes of sort of a trajectory of a DK Metcalf light um, in his uh, second year as a sophomore? I don't think he's a buy low because if 
if George Pickens is on a roster, his current GM probably really likes George Pickens because you 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 are so spot on. He is very polarizing. You either love him or you hate him. Now, I, I was trying to do some research, and it just popped into my head as, as we were doing the show. I believe he tore his ACL late in his senior season at Georgia. Well, his last, I shouldn't say his senior his last season at Georgia before he came out for the draft. And then he played last year. You know, he's going to be another year removed from the knee injury. So if if he builds on on his you know rookie you know season of 800 receiving yards. It doesn't sound like a lot because that benchmark number is a thousand. I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to be stunned if we look up in this time next year and and he had a thousand receiving yards and, and ten touchdowns. He's a big guy. I, I've I've heard everybody from Matt Harmon, you know, talk about his brutal against zone uh, passing metrics, and, and we'll see how he does. He's not my cup of tea. But that doesn't mean that that he can't succeed. I think he's the kind of guy that, it, it, and I think 90, 95% of us play in leagues where we have to submit our lineup every week. When I'm putting George Pickens in there, I want to put him in my RB3 spot on a game where I'm projected to lose. You know, I don't want I don't want to put in a, a safe option. I don't want to put in a guy that might might get me a solid 12 points. He's going to get me that six for 60 in PPR. We... I would rather, in that case, where I'm, I'm a big underdog, I would rather have a George Pickens because he could easily have that game where he goes like, what, four for 120 and two touchdowns. Very possible. He he can win me a week in a game where I'm not projected to win that week. So th- that's how I see George Pickens. I understand why people love him. I will just say this. This is just a dynasty nugget in general. When you're, when you're like really torn – between two prospects in your rookie drafts, I know a lot of rookie drafts are going on right now, always lean to the guy who went to the mega power five conference, whether that's Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, because those guys were Debbie Darlings. We have heard about those guys in in articles and things. And, 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 it, and it shouldn't matter. At the end of the day, can you score me fantasy points or you can't? In Dynasty, that's always going to be that little layer of insulation to help hold a little value. Yeah, we saw him do it at Georgia. We saw him do it in the SEC. We just couldn't help but do it. So I get why he's polarizing. He's, like I said, not for me unless it's in like a, a certain specific situation. Well, uh, yeah, it's a great breakdown of George Pickens. I think you've helped give some clarity on the situation. I think um, pre-draft, um, I was probably highest out of us three at Fantasy Wild Card on him, and then I think post-draft it flipped, and it ended up being um, yourself, Matt. So, um where are you at on Pickens in, in Dynasty? I think it's uh, obviously other than the QB, it's still, still quite an interesting situation for you. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny that Memphis mentioned about a lot of Dynasty players look back to, to that college production and how they saw him as a prospect because that's basically what I'm doing right now with George Pickens. It's like the rookie season wasn't anything that, that blew us out of the water. It was it was an average at best rookie season, to be honest. But still looking back to him as a prospect, how I viewed him as a prospect, um, you mentioned that you was high on him. We were, I think we were both pretty high on him. You were slightly above me, but we still both had him really high and we were both over consensus on him as well. So for me, it's still looking back to that, thinking, well, we've only had one year. It wasn't the, the greatest of years, but I'd rather back the talent that I think I know George Pickens has from his, his time in college with Georgia. 
and and then banking on that developing as, as we move forward. The, the obviously the, the big thing is that the quarterback play. I think that's going to be a big thing when talking about this guy and obviously um the, the other wide receiver with with the Steelers that we're going to talk about in a second. I think that's going to play a huge part in how this develops moving forward. But um for me, I'm I'm willing to to back the tank. And I think now he's become a uh, in that range in, in the ADP where it's actually it's where it should be. I think we we hit a point where it got a little bit out of control. It was going around guys like Traylon Burks and and those kind of players that that were got the the, the round one draft capital and, and might have had a, a tough rookie season, but they've got that sort of draft capital and that opportunity whereas George Pickens doesn't. So I feel like he's now in that range where I think he's he's where he should be. And and as I say, I'm I'm willing to back the talent that I think he has rather than than maybe looking at his rookie season, which wasn't the the greatest. Indeed, and I'm not going to let you take too many breaths there, Matt. We're going to swing back to you for <laughs> the other wide receiver who's going very similar range to to uh, George Pickens. Yeah, and, and it's funny that we mentioned how I was high on George Pickens because I absolutely loved Deontay Johnson as well before the selection of George Pickens. So I've got two wide receivers that I absolutely loved on the same offense, but was sadly not blessed with a, a great quarterback. So it's been tough to to be a fan of both of these guys. And obviously we've seen from this past year, the thing that everybody's going to, every single person on Twitter is going to bring this up, the fact that he got zero touchdowns. I mean, it was insane to me that he didn't get any at all. Um, but I'm actually viewing that as maybe not a negative. I'm viewing that as maybe a, a positive moving forward because the fact that he had zero touchdowns, but yet he was seventh in targets amongst wide receivers, showed that he's got that talent to to attract the ball from the quarterback. He, he's getting open. He's making himself available to the quarterback. So if we can then get the touchdowns added back on, I mean, we're only a year removed from him being a, a breakout in, in the NFL and, and having that great fantasy season in, in 2021. So for me, I'm still back in the, the town with Deontay Johnson in Memphis. I just want to know, do you think he is a bounce-back candidate for, for 2023, given that um, the, the, the similar ADPs between him and, and George Pickens? Who do you prefer out of those as well? Uh, give Just give me the guy who has averaged 150 targets the last three <laughs> yeah. years. Big Ben, 150 targets. George, uh, uh, Kenny Pickett, 150 targets. I know that the no touchdowns are a bummer, Guys, George Pickens had four. He didn't have 14. It wasn't like it was super one-sided. Kenny Pickett wasn't exactly, you know, Tom Brady in that record-setting year where he's just chucking it, chucking him left, right, and center, and they just left old Deontay out in the cold. I don't get it. I was I was looking at um, some uh, uh, fantasy pros, uh, not rookie, uh, wide receiver rankings. They have him as the wide receiver 34. I see the rankings you guys have here as wide receiver. That's criminal. Who do, who do I call the police on? I'm going to be like a Karen. I'd like to call the police on the people that have Deontay Johnson that low. How in the hell can you have a wide receiver who, the, who who's that young, who's averaged 150 targets a game for three, not one, not two, three years in a row, and you have Jerry Judy ahead of him? That's against the law. Quentin Johnston never dropped an ounce of piss in the NFL ahead of him. <laughs> Hollywood Brown with, with maybe Charlie Toon throwing him the football this year. You have all of those guys ahead of Deontay Johnson. It feels criminal. If, if there is a buy low, because I, I don't remember the exact details of his contract, but he's still super young. You know, what if he moves on? And, 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 there's a, and the quarterback plays only getting better. So for me, th this is the super buy low. Let everybody else argue about George Pickens, not George Pickens. Go out and try to get Deontay Johnson for wide receiver, barely wide receiver three prices because he's 36, 34. Depends on where you get your, your data. 
that is a steal. Anytime you can get a wide receiver averaging 150 targets a season, guys, that's almost 10 a game, about nine-ish for those that are really into the maths. You know, that, that, you're not going to find a lot of those guys, even in like the top 18 that are getting that much volume. So please, pretty please, give me Deontay Johnson's and uh, maybe the TDs come back. Yeah, I think you've, you've summed up perfect. I think in a vacuum, I'm taking Deontay Johnson over Pickens. Um, pretty pretty convincingly. I, I think there is an argument in some scenarios where based on team build, you might want to go upside of Pickens if you've got loads of safe guys uh, beforehand, or you might want to go Johnson if you've got lots of risky guys you've taken ahead of him in your startups. But in a vacuum, I'm taking Deontay Johnson. Um, we are now going to move to tight ends to Pat Fryermuth. Um, Final question for the Steelers. Um, I think looking at his career, really solid start, 60 catches both seasons, two top five, uh, 13 tight end finishers. Still only 24 years old, so there's room for growth from an age perspective, but facing a lot of tight competition again, concerns at QB. Just want to know, Memphis, on Pat Frymuth, would you re-roll for a guy like Michael Mayer or Sam Laporta? Are you happy sticking with Postman Pat? You know, that th- those are great questions. Those are, I mean, because that, that that's a nice little tier, kind of like the Lamar conversation we had about 55 minutes ago. That, that, that's a great tier. I do like the fact that, it, and, and you have it so kindly written in the show sheet, he's finished top 13. He's been basically a tight end one two years in a row. And, and, and I mentioned Deontay Johnson and his 150 targets. That's true, but there's not a lot of target competition in Pittsburgh. And now that they've, they've re-signed Zach Gentry, now that they've drafted Darnell Washington, I think you're going to see, and I think this is really more for the, for the NFL across the board, I think you're going to see more 12 personnel with two tight ends that, than you've seen. I heard rumors of it last year on some non-fantasy podcasts, and the way that we're seeing teams drafting you know, tight ends, uh, the Green Bay, Green Bay drafted two. For me, I'm still going to lean, lean, just lean, for for Pat Fryermuth, but out of the two, I would I would go in this order. I would go Fryermuth by a lean over M- Michael Mayer, then the Sam Laporta. I think, but with Sam Laporta, there there's too much target competition there. We know Amon Ra is going to get his. We we know that Marvin Jones is a professional. We know at some point Jamison Williams is going to get back. So and and then we know they they brought in Gibbs to to be involved in the ball. I'm not saying that Michael Mayer is going to be Gronk, but I have seen a track record of what Josh McDaniels' offenses can do. I didn't say will do. I'm not predicting the future. I'm looking at a historic past of what they could do with Michael Mayer and look at his college dominator rating, how he dominated. And it didn't like, wasn't like the, the opponents didn't know it was going to Mayer and he still dominated in college. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Friarmuth, Lean. Mayor second, then a pretty significant gap to Laporta. Excellent stuff, Matt. What's your order of the three guys? <laughs> yeah, again, I don't want to don't want to echo, but yeah, I think it's probably the same for me. And it's it's exactly as Memphis mentioned it. It's neck and neck between Frymuth and, and Mayor for me, but it basically comes down to how risk averse are you in in fantasy? Are you willing to to roll the dice and, and take a chance on a guy that's yet to play in the NFL? 
but you're back in the, the talent that you've seen in, in college. I, I love what Michael Meyer did in, in college. He's, he's been a David Darling for, for years now. He's, he's the tight end name that's been been mentioned for, for the last few years. So the fact we've finally got him in the NFL now is, is something I'm really enticed by. I believe in him as a, as a prospect. And he's actually landed in a pretty good situation. He's got decent draft capital with that, that second round pick. He's landed with the Raiders, who clearly have a need for a tight end over there. So he could fight instantly. To, to be the starting tight end over there. So it's it's one of those where do you take the chance on, on what you hope could be with Michael Mayer and, and the potential, or do you stick with what you've seen in Pat Fry move? So it's literally neck and neck. And, and for the sake of not repeating what Memphis says, I'm actually going to say I'm going to take Mayer over, over Fry move, but it is neck and neck. And then I'm sticking with what my, uh, Memphis said, and Laporte is probably a tear down at least um, from, from those, those two guys. Excellent stuff. So that brings us to the end of this um, this part of the stream. The, the North is done as such. So um, it's also the end of, of the, uh, our time with uh, our amazing guest, Memphis. So before you go, Memphis, please let the audience know where they can find you and what you're working on right now. Uh, you can find me Sunday nights on the Player Profiler YouTube channel. Um, that's our podcast. It's it's uh, the Dynasty Warzone. You can still find that wherever you find podcasts. Just search Dynasty Warzone. And I'm not a big promote. Hey, if you like what I said today, search Dynasty Warzone. You can you can find me doing, or or just search DWZ Memphis on Twitter. You'll find me. Big thing is 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 these gentlemen are literally doing the Lord's work. Mental health awareness is is so huge. And um, if, if you're not in a position to donate, cool. Retweet the podcast everywhere. Copy the link, put it on your Facebook. Maybe your grandma will see it. You know, put put it on your, you, you can put it everywhere. Whatever we can do to draw attention to what these guys are doing, that's that's what's really in, important. So um, thank you guys for having me on. Thank you guys for bringing attention to what's a pretty significant uh, charity and, and, and something I believe in as well. That's why I was excited to come on with y'all. Perfect, Memphis. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and um, it's uh, been a great show. Thank you very much. Speak soon. All right, lads. I'll talk to you guys soon. I'll have you guys. Uh, if you, I don't know what time nine p.m. Eastern is in in the, in the UK, but you know maybe get you guys out of bed early. Have you guys hop on the <laughs> Dynasty Warzone with us this summer, and uh, we'll talk some ball. But uh, enjoy the rest of your podcast. I'll be tweeting it, and uh, I'll be out there trying to support you guys. No, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. Take care, man. Cheers. Bye. Yep, so we're going to wrap up this stream. It's the end of stream two. It's the end of the second quarter. So we're halfway there, as Bon Jovi <laughs> said. Obviously, you can see the um, the link to the, the Just Giving page along the bottom. You can go to our uh, Twitter page, Fantasy Wildcard, as well. I'll pin to it on there. So thank you for the donations so far. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game. Thank you.